Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Let me warn you right out of the gate. Let me warn you. Ecclesiastes, up until now, has been a very chipper and happy book to where we're going this evening. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, seriously, really. You mean the first two where Solomon's like, we're not inviting him to dinner, we're not having him over to the house because he's like, well, he's like a Debbie Downer, man. He's just, everything is like, you know, it's all meaningless. Can you imagine Solomon in your house? Can you imagine having a big dinner party and you, Solomon's coming. Oh, great, he's going to give us words of wisdom. Everything is meaningless. It all's going to, we're all going to, you'd be like, God, who invited that dude, man? But but seriously, this is um this is this is uh that was good. That was good up until now. And um so I just want to warn you, tonight's teaching is going to be a little bit heavy. It's not one of those Wednesday nights where you walk out of here going, Woohoo! It's gonna be like, Wow, bummer, dude, bummer. Tonight's teaching is going to be heavy, not happy. Heavy, not happy. But, but, it is a warm blanket to our soul. Why? Because, listen, when you teach the Bible by exposition, you might hear it as expository Bible teaching. We know it as verse by verse by verse, just just seeing what the text says. And I knew... When you do that, guys, we're going we're gonna to just go through some really tough stuff, some really tough areas in Scripture. I wish we could sit here and, and be just, just, super, uh, just super excited about, oh, this is all great, and everybody, rah, rah, rah. And, but, but if we're going to teach the Bible, if we're going to get to the root of the Bible, we've got we've to go through some tough areas. And these tough areas make us look at our heart, and, and, and we have to see kind of where we are. And we don't want to fool ourselves, church, thinking, oh, I've already made it. Oh, I've been, I've been walking with Jesus for 35 years. I'm, I've got this down. We've always got to look because there's always room to grow. When I think of Pastor Chuck Smith, who passed away probably about, about 10 or 12 years ago, um, he would always, always say there was always room to grow. And this is a man who's probably forgot more than I ever know. You know, I mean, he knew the Word of God. And so we always want to grow. Now, I'm saying this because more than happy, fun, candy-type sermons, listen, the deep, meaty, hard stuff is the one that will save you. The deep, meaty. And, of course, my promise and commitment is to teach you the Scriptures verse by verse, even the hard ones. Even the hard ones. Here's my hope. My hope is as we jump into a chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, if we jump into some hard stuff, that here's what it would do. It would develop in us a taste for truth, even if it's a difficult one. A taste for truth. That's what I'm hoping for tonight. Okay, so let's go. If you haven't been with us, let me recap. We go through verse by verse through the, through the book of Ecclesiastes, and I want to bring you up to speed. If we were to modernize um, what we've been studying, we could actually put songs to it. Songs that you and I kind of grew up with. Now, I'm looking at some younger folks in here, and they probably, they might remember these songs. I don't know. I, I could put songs to it probably when we grew up. <laughs> A little bit of the 80s. But um, you go, like what? Like what is Solomon teaching us? Well, like in chapter 1, we could write something down like, I don't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. And that's really what all of chapter 1 is about, right? Do you hear that song, Caleb? You know that song? I can't get no. Yeah, that's a a classic. But that could be chapter 1. He's looking for satisfaction. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, remember, guys, when we studied chapter 1, here's what we discovered. You and I, as human beings, we're not satisfied in life unless we develop a sixth sense. You go, sixth sense? I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. Here's what I mean. 
Solomon in chapter 1 declares to you and I that we have five senses in which we explore. We have sight, we have touch, you, you understand, we have these, and, and this is how we explore our desires to try to find satisfaction in life. Oh, it tastes great. Oh, I see, that's beautiful. Oh, all of these things. But after chapter 1, his conclusion was real simple. He says, we can't get satisfaction without a sixth sense. You go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, a sixth sense would be all the five senses are stuff that is all happening under the sun. Nothing is new under the sun. But a sixth sense, it says, look over the sun. That's your sixth sense. And you go, look over the sun. What does that mean? It means that you and I have to develop... We have to develop a deep faith in God. Listen, listen, church. Our walks cannot be these these little, oh, okay, it's fun here and there. I I claim to be Christian. Oh, listen, my my walk is all about my Christian t-shirts and and my bumper stickers. And we have to develop, guys, a deep walk with God if you're going to have satisfaction in your life. If you don't have that sixth sense, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go through life, honestly, you're going to go through life and, and, and you'll never be satisfied. And if you buy a brand new toy, oh, it's what I wanted. doesn't matter what it might be. You won't be satisfied. You, oh, well, this one's three years old now. Can I get a new one? And can I get a new one? And we do that all across the board. Oh, I've been married a long time. It's time for a new one. And we, we become dissatisfied with our spouse and say, I want a new one. I think somebody out there, I'm not satisfied because we don't have a deep walk with God. You see, for you and I, as Christian couples, we have to have a deep walk with God first. I have so many kids come to me and they'll say, oh, I found the one. Pastor, will you marry us? I'll say, no, I'm already married, but I'll, do the offici- I'll, I'll, I'll officiate it. And, 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 and here's what I found. I always tell them this, listen. You, you need to love God more than you love her. You need to love God more than you love him. Or it's not going to work. Oh, but he's the one. He makes my heart go pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Does he love Jesus? Does he love Jesus? You see, all your, all your worries and all your fears will go away if the man of God in the home of God loves Jesus more than anything. All, you won't worry. Oh, he's, he's looking. He's he's. The husband will not worry when his wife loves God so much. She's not out texting somebody, looking at, and, oh, ah, you noticed. No, she's going to go, man, I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I love you. I love you. We have to have a deep faith in God, but you you need to know the key word there. The key word is develop. So I have to ask you at this point, honestly, take a look at your walks and and answer: Are you developing that that walk with God? Are you developing that deep faith with God, or is everything else vying for a position? I don't mean to step on your toes. I love you guys, but we have to put in the work. I want to remind you of something the Lord is bringing to mind. The word develop, right? We've got, to, we've got to do something. Can I get an amen? Okay. So the children left Egypt. The children of Israel left Egypt. You guys know the story. Moses, you guys with me, are we? They get all the way. Moses dies. Joshua is about to take him into the promised land. Up until then, okay, Bible trivia time. Up until then, God has been feeding them with... Manna, okay? Three of you are Bible students. Amen. Let's try this again. God's been feeding them with? Yeah, you guys know that. You know the story. He's been, he's been supernaturally providing. You go, yeah. You realize that when they went into the promised land, the manna stopped. 
they were now farmers. Okay, you've got to cultivate the ground. You've got to start, you've got to start planting. You've got to start, hey, we've got squash. You've got to, you got to, and you go, Ben, what's, what's the point? Here's why. God will never give you supernaturally what you can get naturally. God will never give you supernaturally. So in other words, I can take this Bible and put it under my pillow and pray that the words of God would, would sink in my, that supernaturally, God, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and just no more Bible. I'm going to I'm gonna know more of you, amen. But it's not going to happen. You see, I need to open it and develop for myself. Develop what? Well, he's saying faith. Well, how do we develop faith, honestly? The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we have to be in the word of God. We have to be searching the word of God. We have to be seeking like a, like a treasure. Oh, here it is. I would pray. Now, I know it's not none of you because you guys are Wednesday nighters. But I would pray that we would be in our Bible as much as we're on our phone. That we couldn't leave the house unless we had the word of God. And you go, well, Ben, it's on my phone. No, I get that. But it's too dangerous when you go, oh, I've, I've got the Bible on my phone. And then you're, and then, boop, you know, and you got, it's just, it's a distraction. So why not, why not you and I just go, okay, listen, it's a small little Bible. I'm just going to take it with me. I'm going to put it in my car. And when I'm behind traffic, I open it up. I read a verse. I meditate on that verse. And then I drive. And wherever I'm going, I'm reading God's word. Why? Because I want to develop a deep faith in God. Ben, you're, you're, you're really pounding this point. I think we're going to need it in these next few days. In the next coming days, we're going to need to have our foundation solid. We've got to know God's word. So we've got to develop a sixth sense. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, oh, the song might be something which I titled the message last week, Living the Vida Loca, right? Living the crazy life. Why? Remember last week, Solomon began this amazing experiment for us that we have to pay attention to. And he's doing an experiment for us because it goes beyond our capabilities, you go, what do you mean? Okay, so Solomon is the king of Israel. He's going to use his wealth. He's going to use his power that is beyond any of us, anything that we can fathom. And you'll see pretty quickly how true this is. To see if there is anything worthwhile under the sun. He's going to test all that you and I pursue. And he's going to come back. And he's going to let us know if there's any real value to it. Can you imagine? Thank you, Solomon. You're going to do all this for us. Well, yeah, he's going to do this. Now, now think about this. As part of his quest for the good life, King Solomon examined everything from the sublime to the ridiculous. In the great laboratory of life, he experimented with one thing after another, always applying the wisdom that God has given him. And what we learned was so amazing last week. We discovered that Solomon recorded three stages in the experiment as he searched for what? For a satisfied meaning to life. Being satisfied. You go, what did he do? Well, if you recall last week, he said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a party. I'm going to throw a party. And you're like, yeah, party. Solomon knows how to party, man. Me and that dude could kick it real well. I mean, no, 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 no. Our little parties compared to Solomon are just, he just laughs at us compared to our parties. I don't care if you had the most epic party and a hundred people, hundred of your friends came. Solomon says, no, 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 no. Listen, you guys might have had a DJ. I brought in the band. You guys know, we talked about this in the Kings, in the book of Kings, all the stuff. I mean, I mean, he had food and more. And I'm not talking like, listen, he, he, we got a little bit of finger food left over. You know, we got, we bought some Doritos. It's okay. We're just, it's a party. He had food. And this was night after night after night after night. Say, okay, so is it the party scene that satisfies us? You know, the dancing and the eating and the probably throwing up and eating again and, and just whatever the party scene was. The people, 15,000 people. I mean, can you imagine? 
You didn't run into the same people at, at well, hey, you coming back tomorrow night? I don't know, man. I'm real tired. <laughs> I've been here for three nights in a row. Woo. Man. Yeah, but guess who's coming tomorrow, you know? And he names he names the, the greatest, you know, band there is. And he says, No, that didn't satisfy. He said, That didn't satisfy. He said, but you know what I do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant some forests. I'm going to build some houses. I'm going to build some houses. And what he was really saying is, I'm going to make a legacy. I want to make a legacy. I want, I want my name to mean something. Maybe that'll satisfy. If I could just, you know, if I could just, man, and, and, and he says he, 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 just, he, he planted forests. And he had these big water cisterns, and he had this just... And, and he's just hoping that people would go, oh, that's so wonderful, Solomon. Does that, no, that didn't bring any satisfaction. I, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. He said, um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to take life easy. I want comfort. I'm going to have servants. I'm not even going to get out of bed. They're going to get me out of bed. They're going to, they're going to shower me. I'm just going to stand there. They're going to shower me. They're going to dress me. They're going to chew my food for me. Maybe they didn't go that far. I don't know. But that's how, that's how comfortable he's like, listen. And then from my bed, they're going to put me on the hammock and then they're going to swing me. And I'm just like, this is all good. Oh, and I'm going to say, bring me some more grapes. Feed me. And, oh, and wait, wait, that's not good enough. I, I got to find satisfaction. I know what satisfaction will bring. It's the women. Women will bring satisfaction. You see, that has to happen. It has to happen. And so what does he do? He has 700 wives and 300 concubines. He has a thousand women trying to find satisfaction, trying to find, and he's doing this experiment for us. And last week, you remember, we really touched a nerve when we talked about how, how, well, you and I don't have 700 wives or 300 concubines, but we can easily get on the internet and we could easily see what they're spewing. And you can see. And, and, and Solomon says, listen, I didn't have to go on the internet. I didn't have to look at pornography. I had the women in front of me. If I was feeling like a dark-skinned, green-eyed girl, that's what I had. If I was... And I'm trying to paint this so well that you guys go, oh, oh, okay, okay, so what was the point? Well, Well, here's the thing. He didn't find satisfaction in that. He didn't find satisfaction. Satisfaction is is your relationship with God first, and then, listen to me, listen to me, when you have a meaningful, monogamous, intimate relationship, guess what happens? The Bible says it's a mingling of souls, and that's what brings, well, well you're not, I mean, your flesh is satisfied for a moment, but when you, oh, honey, I love you. Well, you just said that because we're having sex. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's not about the sex. It's because, man, our souls mingled and, and we're one. And that's why, that's why it's so important not to have premarital sex and not to just go with, because you're giving a part of you away every single time. And when you give yourself away every single time, when God brings you the right one, you don't have a full heart. I love you with all of my... Well, I love you with half of... Well, I, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And God says, that's not how I created you. I created you. You go, I love you with all of my heart. He's doing this experiment. You and I, honestly... We don't have the resources for the parties. We don't have the resources to build. We don't have, we don't, I don't think we, any of us want 700 wives. I mean, that's 700 mother-in-laws. Just kidding. But there's no satisfaction in that. And of course, today, the rest of chapter 2 
would probably be something from an 80s band with a song called Without You. Now, labor with me for just a moment. I want to show you some of the lyrics as an introduction. The lyrics go something like this. He says, without you, there's no change in my nights, or there's no change. My nights and days are gray. If I reached out to touch the rain, it just wouldn't feel the same. Without you, I'm a sailor lost at sea. Without you in my life, I'd slowly wilt and die. But with you by my side, you're the reason I'm alive. But with you in my life, you're the reason I'm alive. Now, obviously, this 80 bands, were, they were speaking of a woman. He's talking, about, he's talking about a love for a woman. But I want you to put it in the context of God. Of God. Why? Because the lyrics summarize what Solomon wants to teach us. Listen, living or w- without the living God in our lives, honestly, is life worth living? Without the living God. Solomon says, I was disgusted with life. I'm totally stressed out. And then later on, he declares to us, but with God, he's the reason we want to live. So, with that as an intro, let's take a look at verses 12 through 26. Solomon is writing, and he writes this. He says, Then I turned myself I turned myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Question mark. Only what he has already done. So let's break it down, guys. He says, Then I turned myself to. In other words, you can write something like this. I considered things from another point of view. Another point of view. Okay, Solomon, what are you trying to teach us here? What kind of things are you considering? Well, he says, well, first I considered wisdom. I considered wisdom. Now, you know my boy Solomon. I love him for the fact that when God asked him what he wanted, he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for anything. He said, I want wisdom to govern your people. And God gave him that wisdom, and he gave him all the other stuff. But he says, I... I, I consider these things from, well, from wisdom. And he goes, but I also consider these things from madness and folly. You can write next to folly, you can write foolishness. Foolishness. We have some that are really, really wise. We have some people that are really wise and walk in wisdom. And we also have people that are foolish. They walk very, very foolishly. And he goes, okay. So, so Solomon, what are you, what are you considering? What, what is this all about? You ready? Well, here's where it kind of gets dark. If you look at verse 14, at the end of verse 14, I want you to see what it says, okay? Notice the end of verse 14. He says, that same event happens to them all. Do you guys see that in your Bible, verse 14b at the end? You go, what's he talking about? Here's what he's considering. He's considering that death, death. Solomon, what are you talking about? He says, I'm going to consider both wisdom and foolishness and come to the understanding that wisdom is better than folly, but both have the same end. Isn't that a mind blower? Why? Because again, I mean, think about what he's doing. Think about what he's doing. He goes, hey, um, I turned to myself to consider all those that are wise. And I said, yeah, that's, that's a lot better than foolishness. But then he turns around and he goes, But you know what? They die too. They die too. You see, somehow we think in a a way, we think that, well, if if we just walk a certain pattern or a certain way, that maybe that we we can, can, and he goes, no, the, the end is the same. You and I in this room tonight, I don't think, I don't think many of us sit and think about death all day long. Think about how I'm going to die, when I'm going to die, this sort of thing. Now, I think as believers, we're ready to go anytime he calls us, so I don't think we're afraid, but I don't think we sit here and go, oh, I wonder what that... But but we know deep in our hearts that that's a possibility. Amen? You know it's a possibility. You see, the Bible tells us that God knows the day you were born and he knows the day you're going to die. He knows all of this. You and I don't know that day. You know that day. And so we go through life thinking, okay, okay, I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I feel pretty young. Young people die too. 
I feel pretty medium. You know, I'm in, I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 50s. Oh, okay, those, those people die too. And you get to 60s and 70s and 80s. Then when you get somebody 90, you're like, hey, you're on borrowed time. Good job, bro. And I only say that because we don't have any 90s in here tonight. But he says, but here's what I've come to the conclusion. That same event happens to them all. Death, death. Now, now, now think about this for a second. Let this, let this kind of saturate. God knows, God knows the beginning and, and, the, and the end of my days. I, I don't know. But I would ask you a question. If you knew the day you were going to die, first and foremost, would you want to know? And if you did know, would you live differently? Would you live differently? What, what would you do different? Well, I, I'd share more. Well, I'd be in church more. Well, I would give more. Well, I would... All the things you're answering right now in your heart are the things that we should be doing anyway because we don't know that day. We don't know that day. Well, then what should we do? Because you and I know that day, let me give you some practical advice. Tell people you love, I love you, before leaving the door. Don't take people for granted. How many people have walked out, oh, hey, I'll see you, all right. And that was the last, the last word you said was, I'll see you. So take a moment, hey, I love you. Be careful. I love you. Don't miss the chance to hug somebody. Don't miss the chance to hug your kids, your grandkids. I love you. Okay, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. If something were to happen to me, you might say, you'll know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I loved you. I loved you, not in words only, but in deeds. Now I want you to notice something in our text, church. He says, for what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he's already done. You go, Ben, what does that mean? Solomon put on his mindset, after all of this, after the parties, the planting, the making a name, the comfort beyond anything we could do, here's what Solomon says. Um, what can others do that can compete with this? <laughs> what, are, what are you going to do that's going to compete with what I've just done? You see... Solomon told us everything that he has done. And then I think about this. Now, now listen, stay with me, okay? Here's, here's, here's why I'm afraid for you. Si Solomon finally goes to the end of his goals, and he says, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's all meaningless. The parties, the sex... The drugs, if he did drugs, the food, whatever. I mean, it's all it's all meaningless. He he goes with it now. Now here's where here here here's where my heart. You and I don't possess the resources to ever get where Solomon is. And so my fear is, if we don't understand the concept now, we'll spend the rest of our lives chasing the wind. You see, God is so good in his infinite wisdom. He allowed Solomon to do this, not for Solomon's own pleasure, but for our pleasure and satisfaction. You go, well, how so? Well, we're learning it from the word of God so that you and I don't make that mistake of chasing the wind and never being satisfied. Oh, you see, because you and I don't, don't have the resources to do that. We don't, and, and, and so there are many, many people that just keep chasing what they already possess that has brought no lasting, no, no, no lasting happiness. And if we're, if we're being honest in church, there are many who die on the treadmill of life. Think about retirement for just a moment. Think about retirement. We've got it backwards, don't we? We've got it backwards. We start working at 15, 16, 17, and we don't stop working until we're 65 or 70. We work and we put money in. This is my retirement. And when you retire, you're too tired to spend it. You're too tired to do anything. And it's like, 
And we're so envious of those who retired at 50 and 55 and they're enjoying it. And we're so envious, it's like, oh, but we've got it backwards. Well, why, why are we work so much? Because we keep chasing just that one more. Just that one, oh, if I could just, I'll be satisfied if I only have X amount in the bank. X amount. Be careful, church. Be careful. I don't know how true it is. I don't know, I don't know how true it is, so I'm standing over here. It's my opinion. My opinion is right now, do you realize that they're about to, they're about to roll out this new world currency? And the new world currency is going to render all of your money gone. Unless you join in to, and it's not the dollar anymore. This is, this, is, this is exactly what the Lord talked about in Revelation. He says, listen, there's going to be a one world government. There's going to be a one world money. And here's what they're saying. Now, I don't know if it's true or not. They're saying, listen, and I thought it was interesting, okay? Because in Revelation 13, we know, we've heard it, it's the mark of the beast, okay? Whatever the mark is. It's a, some people say it's a RFD chip in your hand, and, or it's, here's what I know. There's a company out there that says they'll pay you $2,000 a month if you'll let them put an RIFD chip in your hand. And basically, it's a way to entice you to get away from the current currency and go globally. You know what? You and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody's putting nothing in my hand. Mm. But young kids who don't know the Word of God will say, are you paying me 2000 bucks to put up? Oh, of course. Put it right here. Put it right here. And now you've got a group of people who don't know God's Word pledging their allegiance into the Antichrist. Don't know if it's true or not. Read something else today. An influencer, you know, we call them influencers on, on TikTok. An influencer was bragging about actually going to one of the grocery stores and using a brand new RFD chip to pay for her groceries. She was so excited. She keeps posting all about it. I was like, wow. So if you don't think the technology is there for what the Antichrist wants to do, we're there. We're there. You go, what, what does that do for us? Well, a little bit of prophecy. We go back and we go, okay, Lord, we're there. I just need to know you're here. I don't want to play church. I just want to know, I just want to know you, God. I just want to know you. Solomon looks at wisdom and wealth in light of what? Certain death. Now, he considered the wisdom. He's going to do that from verses 12 to 17. So let's look at verse 13. He says, Then I saw wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. Yes, thank you, Solomon. It's pretty plain. He, saw, he said, man, it's better to be wise than to be foolish. And everybody should say, amen. Why? Because he says light is better than dark. And so now he illustrates what this means. He's going to illustrate what this means. I want you to notice verse 14. He says, a wise man's eyes are in his head, but a fool walks in darkness. Yet I perceived that the same event happens to them all. What's he saying, church? Death, okay? So I said in my heart, as it happens to a fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this is also vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever, since all that now will be forgotten in the days to come. How does a wise man die? Question mark. As the fool. Solomon. Wow. I told you it was going to be heavy. You're just like, golly, Solomon. Guys, he's saying, he, he's, just really, he's just really breaking it down for us. He says, you know, the wise can see where they're going. But fools, well, they walk in darkness. They walk in darkness. I love the fact that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, He illuminated your heart, He illuminated your eyes so that you can walk in wisdom. 
The Bible says that if we ask for wisdom, he gives it to us as long as we're not doubting. But I can take you back to your B.C. days. Do you guys know your B.C. days before Christ? And many of us walked as fools. We walked in darkness. We walked in darkness. And Solomon says, that, 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 that's what happened. He goes, but here's something that I saw that really, that really tripped me out. He said, I saw the wise and the foolish have the same fate. <laughs> Both will die. And so I said to myself, since I will end up as the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? Wah, wah. You guys understand what he's saying? He says, this is also meaningless. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, he says, both will be forgotten. And I said, wow. Wow. That hits home. That hits home. Solomon, what are you, what are you saying? I want you to picture Solomon. He's the king of Israel. He has everything he's ever wanted. And he does this amazing experiments. I mean, I mean, just... And he's super bummed because he realizes even with all his wisdom, he has the same fate as the fool. Now, he's not being foolish. He's just wanting to remind us, okay, we all have that same fate, don't we? We all have that same fate. So, when it comes to death, my question to you is, I'm looking for the Lord's return. But if I'm going to die, how are we going to die? Are we going to die satisfied in life? Satisfied with our walks with God? Satisfied that we, got, we get to talk to the King of Kings, the Creator of the universe? Satisfied with all of these things, which is a battle, church? Or are we going to die bitter and mad, and I can't believe this, and I can't believe that? It goes on in verse 17, and Solomon writes, Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me. For all is vanity and grasping for the wind. I mean, think about what he's saying. He goes, therefore, because, because we're all the same. He goes, you know what? I worked. Everything that was done was just, I was so depressed. With just, it was just like I could see it. And he said, you know what? We get up every morning and we go to work and we toil. Now, Solomon is not telling you, tomorrow go quit your job. Okay? We got to go to work. But we need to do it with the satisfaction of that we work for God, that we live for God. We do our jobs, but don't let, don't let that be your identity. Don't let that be who you are. Don't let that consume you. And please don't take it home at the end of the day. Because he says it's all van it's all it's 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 chasing it's chasing after the wind. It's chasing after the wind. I considered wisdom. I, I also considered wealth. Look at verse eighteen. Then I hated notice he said, Then I hated all my labor in which I toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will rule over all my labor into which I toiled, in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore, I turned my heart and despaired all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. And yet he must leave his heritage to the man who has not labored for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. Guys, think about what he's saying. He goes, let me consider this. Let me consider this. He goes, you know what? I worked so hard. I worked so hard. And I can't take it with me. I worked so hard. He says, listen, I labored. And he goes, and I toiled, and I worked, and I worked. And he says, and, 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 and the fate is I'm going to die, and, and I'm leaving it to the 
person that's coming after me. And I don't know if he's going to be wise. And I don't know if he's going to be a fool. Oh, we could tell stories about this, couldn't we, church? You have, you have, you have grandparents that worked so hard and they built and they, and they, and they, and they left an inheritance to, to their children. And those, and those parents worked hard and they left an inheritance to their grandchildren. The grandchildren's got it and squandered it in a second. Oh, God. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? And that's what Solomon is saying. Solomon is saying, he goes, listen, listen. Um, verse 18, when it comes to your wealth, guess what? You can't keep it. You can't keep it. Money is simply a tool that God gives us to use while we're here. It's simply a tool. You and I will never take that with us. We won't take it with us. We can't keep it. Now, I know of people who try to control it from the grave, and they have a will, and they try to control their money once they're long gone, but more likely than not, that never happens. Here's the thing. Solomon says, I can't take it with me. I can't take Why am I working so hard if I can't take it with me? Why am I working so hard? He says in verse 19 and 20, we can't protect it. We can't. Who knows what's going to happen to it? We think, and, and rightfully so, we think we're super blessed because we might have a savings account and we might have some money in the bank. You can't protect that. In a heartbeat, that could be gone. And I want <laughs> if you're going to go to the bank tomorrow. I'm going to put it in my mattress. That's what I'm going to do. But, but we can't really protect it. We can't really I think, I think the Lord wants us to be wise when it comes to money. I think if the Lord's going to tarry, what we need to put, and we need to retire, we need to, we, you know, we need, to have, we need to have an income to live. That's just the law of the land. But I don't think we need to toil so much and chase after the wind that we're exasperating ourselves in the sense that we just could be gone in a second. I want you to think for just a moment. What would happen if you had $5 in your savings or you have $5 million in your savings, what would happen if tomorrow they were gone? It was all gone. Listen. An idol, an idol is something in our heart that if we lost it, it would render us, we could not eat, we could not sleep, we could not do it. That, that's an idol, okay? If you look at something, you go, if I lost this, I could not function. So if we take money, and you and I were going, man, I have, I have plus five million, I have whatever it might be, and we lost it. The bank, whatever it might be. Now, I pray it never happens, but an idol would be that that would render you completely ineffective, completely in the fetal position, that would be an idol to you. Somebody who loses... 25 bucks, well, the bank stole my 25 bucks, okay, I can live with it. But if we had 25,000, 26,000, 28, 25 million, how would we? We have to be careful with idols, church. We have to be so careful with idols because, because we can put, elevate them in a place that's only for God. And some of you go, I don't care about money. It doesn't bother me. Uh, you know what? If they took my if they took my hundreds out of the bank, psh, no, no, no big deal. God is my God. But we can take that same idol mentality, and we can do that in relationships. And we got to be careful. You go. What's an idol? Anything that you elevate above God. Now, here's what's, here's what's going to blow your mind. Okay, you need to jot this down. You go why? Because idols can be good things. 
Idols can be good things that we make ultimate. You're taking something good. You're, you're, man, I have to be, let, let me just, let me just bear my soul to you guys. I have to be so careful that I don't make my granddaughter an idol. I love her. And I spoil her. Man, my heart hurts when she hurts. Growing up when she was sick, oh, Lord, I'd be praying. And the Lord knocks on my heart very gently. He says, you need to make sure you don't make her ultimate. It's easy to do. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have your kids. It's a good thing to have your grandkids. It's a good thing to have money as a tool to use for his kingdom. It's a good thing to have a great husband and a great wife. It's a good thing. Don't make it ultimate. Don't make it ultimate. And last but not least, in verse 21, Solomon says, we can't enjoy it. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who's not. You worked all your life, and you're going to leave your money to somebody who hasn't worked for it. Can't enjoy it. He goes, this is, this is also vanity and a great evil. He's like, man, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And so Solomon comes back in verse 22, and he asks a couple of questions. Look at verse 22 with me, guys. For what has a man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart, which he has toiled under the sun? So the first question, he goes, so what does a man get for all his hard work? What does he get for all his hard work? And you know what the second question is? You ready? And is it worth it? What are you getting for all your hard work? And is it worth it? Many, many years ago, when I went into business, when I was in business, I was convicted because I was offering my family on the altar of work. In other words, I would go into work at 8 in the morning and I would get off at 8 or 9 o'clock at night. I'd work six days a week and I barely saw my two girls growing up. And I was offering them, and, and I could see them putting on, and, and, and on the altar of work. Here you go, I'm, I'm sacrificing my family on the altar of work. And a lot of us do that. And I'll never forget when I had that, that come to Jesus meeting with my wife, and my wife actually told me she didn't care about the money that she wanted me. And I was taken back by that because I was like, why would you want me? I mean, wouldn't you want the stuff? I mean, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not. And she goes, no, no, you don't understand. We want you. That was foreign to me because I was working. I was working. I got to give her what she needs. Work, work hard, work hard. Make them bonuses. Do all that stuff. So what did I get? What did I get for all the hard work? RJ, you know what I got? Hey, when I quit, good to see you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Wait, that's it? All those nights that I... That's it? See ya. Was it worth it? No, I missed a vital part of my kid's life. You see, Solomon is trying to put, have us put things in perspective. He's not telling us, don't go to work tomorrow. He's not telling you, quit your job. He's not saying, he's saying, listen, things need to be in perspective. Develop your faith in God. Work in Him. And listen to the Spirit. Don't miss out on those things in life. Verse 23. For all his days are sorrowful, he says, and his work burdensome. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This is also vanity. Notice what he says. He says, his days are full of sorrow, grief, restless, bitter nights. Although, you, you, am I speaking to anybody here? How many of you stress out because of your job and you don't sleep? Oh, boss is going to be mad. You know, and he goes, guess what? Solomon said, this is also vanity. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. Meaningless. Now, look, notice that Solomon comes to the first of six conclusions. Each one is going to emphasize the importance of accepting life as God's gift and enjoying it as God wills. 
Solomon comes to this conclusion with the understanding that death comes for everyone. You got that? So we go, yes, we got that. Now, notice his conclusion in verse 24. He says, nothing is better for a man that he should eat, drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment more than I? Okay, so you need to understand it. Solomon is not advocating eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. He's not using that philosophy. You know, well, just, just, just live it up, man. Just live it up. Spend your money now. You know, go into debt. No, no, no. He's not advocating that. That's called fatalism. That's not faith. Here's what he's saying. He says, ready? Oh, this is good. Thank God for what you do have and enjoy it to the glory of the Lord. Thank God for what you do have. Man, that's exactly what these beautiful gifts that he's given you. When you look at your wife, you thank God for her as a gift to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. When you eat a really great meal, a really great meal, you go, man, you don't lift the meal and put it, you don't do that. You don't make it ultimate. You go, God, thank you for this. Man, you bless me so much. I don't deserve this. This is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my health. Thank you for all. These are all a gift from you. And Solomon is going, listen, the end result is death. Whether you're, whether you're, you're, you're wise or you're foolish, nobody's going to remember you anyway. So he says, enjoy your life. Enjoy it. You know what I say? Down with drama. Down with drama, because that wants to rob you. Down with drama. Enjoy your life. Be thankful for everything. In the book of Philippians, I challenged you guys to find joy, trying to find something good in every circumstance. Whatever circumstance comes your way, whatever bad phone call, whatever it might be, you've got to find something good. Okay. I want you guys, I'm challenging you again, every situation that you have, every meal, every outing, whatever it might be, find something to enjoy about it. Find something to, to, to look, wow. Be that person that everybody looks and goes, why do, all, why, why do you always find the good in things? Because the end result is the same. One day you're going to die, one day I'm going to die. And you go, well, Ben, we're not going to die, we're going to go in the rapture. Kind of the same thing, isn't it? We're, we're just, we won't be here anymore. This life will be over. And so God goes, listen, I've given you this life. I've given you a life. How are you enjoying it? How are you enjoying it? Are, are you enjoying the meals? You, you know that old saying, if you don't like your life, change it. I say, listen, just start, start enjoying the things that God has given you. They're all a gift. They're all a gift. Can you imagine praising the Lord once you open your hamburger at a fast food restaurant. Hey, praise God, look at this. This is good. And everybody's like, wow, man, I've never got that excited about a Whopper before. This dude's nuts. Okay, don't go that far, okay? But you know what I'm saying. And, and, and a matter of fact, think about this. Paul gave us kind of that same approval. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he writes this. Command those who are rich in this age, or in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us all, gives us richly all things to enjoy. He says, and you go, well, newsflash, Pastor Ben, <laughs> I'm not rich. You know, there, there are some, there are some what, there are some millionaires? I'm a hundredaire. No, 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 no. If you've eaten today, by world standards, you're rich. 
they look at you going, are you kidding me? You got to, if you have more than $2 in your wallet, you're rich. And so he says this, command those who are rich, you go, okay. He says, don't be haughty, don't be prideful. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Trust in the living God. And realize that he gives us everything richly to enjoy. You go, Ben, what are you saying? Well, Solomon too made it clear that not only were there blessings from God, but even the enjoyment of the blessing was God's gift to us. God's gift to us. Now, the translation in verse 25 is awkward in the New King James Bible, but the NSAB says it like this, who may take food or have pleasure without him. Without him. And so again, he's really just saying, here's the deal. You ready? Okay, you ready? Let me, let me have your attention. Jesus is coming back soon. Amen? So nothing is better for a man that he should eat, drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. He's telling you, enjoy life. The Lord's coming back. And you go, well, Ben, what if he doesn't come back in 20 years? What if he doesn't come back in 10 years? Well, what if you die? Let me ask you a question. Are you satisfied with where you are right now? You've got to develop that sixth sense. Okay, Lord, this stuff doesn't satisfy. That does. That does. Okay, so let's close. Let's close, guys. An important thing is that we need to seek to please the Lord and to trust Him with every need. Here we go. Verse 26. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner He gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This is also vanity and grasping for the wind. Listen, notice what he says. God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. To the sinner, he gives the work of working, collecting, gathering, so that he could do what? So that he could give him who is good before God. I love that. Although it's vanity, he's saying all, all the sinners, well, they're going to work and they're going to give it to you. All right, cool. I like that, Lord, thank you. He goes, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Okay, so what we need to remember. We are only satisfied in life by truly grasping that life is a gift from God. Everything that God is, is a gift. That's how we're truly satisfied. Everything is a gift. Wealth, wisdom, suffering, trials, tribulation, they're all gifts. They're all gifts. God, thank you. You want to help me to grow. If you want to truly enjoy your life, he's saying stop chasing the wind. Put your faith and trust in God. And relax. Relax. Let God and let go. If the Lord Jesus doesn't come back soon, what Solomon talked about tonight is going to happen to all of us. So enjoy your life. Put your trust in Him. And watch what He'll do. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your great love for your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you speak to us, Lord, and I know it was a heavy teaching, and I just pray, Lord, that you would just move mightily, Lord, in our, in our midst and, and who you are. And so, God, we just thank you for tonight. Father, with a Bible study like this that's pretty heavy, Lord, and Solomon talking about death and and this is our fate, and so forth, Lord. I just know, God, that uh, I just know that we could walk out of here with heavy hearts. But tonight, Lord, let us be reminded just how beautiful you are and, our, and renew our commitment to you. That, Father, our goal is really to try to find something good in everything and to be thankful 
and to enjoy it. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the words that you've given us in Solomon. And we love you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.